You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll have those stories in just a moment. But first, breaking news. Plumes of steam or gas spotted in the sky near the Lionsgate Bridge. It happened around 5 o'clock. A lot of people saw it and it raised fears of a fire on board a bulk carrier. But the Coast Guard says it was actually an issue with the ship's fumigation hatch, which blew, triggering a loud blast that could be heard by beachgoers at nearby Ambleside Park. There are no injuries and it's not a fire. But we are told North Vancouver Fire is going to check it out. Now to two big stories out of northern B.C. More on what RCMP have found in the manhunt for two teen murder suspects in just a moment. But first, another terrifying incident to tell you about. And this one involves the attempted abduction of a female flagger. She was working on her own along Highway 29 near Zoo Road when she says a van stopped and a man tried to throw her in the back. Ramina Dea has more on the investigation and who police are looking for. 9.30 Sunday morning, the female flagger alone when the suspect attacked. The driver of the vehicle got out, had a short interaction with the flagger and attempted to pull her into the rear of the van. She was able to get away from the assailant and uh, the driver hopped back into the van and drove off. What was the motive? Police not saying. The victim escaped uninjured. She immediately told her supervisor, who called 911. Um, I don't know of any uh, incidents similar to this. I don't know if it's unprecedented, but at least exceptionally rare. I was definitely shocked. Uh, we're a small community, so you don't expect this to happen. Dina Smoller, a former flagger who now runs her own company, had crews working nearby when the attempted abduction happened. Anytime you have incidents like this, you're going to see everybody have meetings. You know, it's going to be the hot topic at your tailgate meetings. The victim does not know her attacker. He's described as Caucasian, approximately five foot nine, no accent. The vehicle, a dark blue van with silver striping, chrome on the front grille and barn style rear doors. We're all going to be on high alert. We're all going to be just extra diligent, extra vigilant. The suspect last seen driving towards Hudson's Hope. Fort St. John RCMP now working with five other detachments, but they are relying on the public for help. Dashcam video could be crucial to the investigation. Rumina Dea, Global News. Now to that new information in the manhunt for two Port Alberni teen suspects in the murders of three people in northern B.C. RCMP are revealing today they have found several items directly linked to Briar Schmigelski and Cam McLeod. Paul Johnson is live in the newsroom with more on where these items were found. Paul. So for the RCMP aren't saying much about this other than that the things they found, they're calling them personal items that they believe belong to the suspects. They found them on the shore of the Nelson River Friday, about nine kilometers from where that burnt-out SUV thought to have been used by the suspects was found late last month. Police have been focused on the Nelson River area in the last few days after a damaged aluminum boat was spotted on the shore Friday. That triggered the deployment of an underwater search team. And if the Mounties discovered anything from that effort, they haven't shared it publicly. Well, the manhunt has been scaled back from its peak late last month in the Gillum, Manitoba area. It's still a top priority 
and it's still a story that's gripping the whole country. Clearly, the RCMP uh, are treating this whole uh, case with enormous seriousness, and they continue, as of today, to follow every new lead, to follow every new tip, to take the appropriate steps to examine where the, uh, uh, where the evidence may be. So while the focus of this search is still in northern Manitoba, the Mounties have acknowledged it's also possible that they've left the area and they're asking the public, and if there's anybody with any information, please come forward. Sophie? All right, thanks for that. Paul Johnson reporting live. Two men charged in the very public execution of a member of the Hells Angels appeared in court today. And while their appearance was short, it stokes fears of gang retaliation. Grace Key has more on what RCMP are saying about public safety and what they're doing to ensure it. The suspected gunmen involved in this deadly shooting on a Hells Angel member have been given three weeks to meet with their attorneys. 20-year-old Calvin Powery Hooker and 21-year-old Nathan Dion appeared in provincial court by video conference, faced with first-degree murder. Amid fears of possible retaliation, Surrey RCMP says their own gang enforcement team is working closely with the province's anti-gang task force. We're working on a daily basis to make contact with people we know are involved in this high-risk lifestyle and we are actively trying to disrupt any criminal activities they might be involved in. The very public shooting happened on Friday morning at a busy South Surrey Starbucks drive through in front of several witnesses who tried to help the victim, Suminder Grewal. I said go ahead and put pressure on the wounds, which I, uh, which I did. And then while I was doing that, um, he jerked twice. You know, it was pretty complete. He passed then. The suspects were arrested a short time after the murder. Both are known to police and have Alberta connections. IHIT has taken over the investigation. And as for any possible retaliation, that will be difficult to predict until a motive is known. We don't want any violence to occur. And uh, we're working with our gang specialists throughout the region uh, who have their fingers on the pulse uh, on what's going on. Um, in that regard. So um, we are certainly prepared. At Surrey Provincial Court, extra police were on hand during the brief court proceeding as a precaution. The two will be making their next court appearance August 27th. Grace Key, Global News. And Keith Baldry joins us now with more on the concerns specifically in Surrey. Keith, Councillor Jack Hundial stressing tonight that a municipal police force would actually compromise mm -hmm. public safety. What's his argument? Yeah, the, the War of Wars is continuing out in Surrey over this issue, this hot-button issue, whether to establish its own municipal police force. Uh, Mayor Doug McCallum now has dissolved the Public Safety Committee, his own advisory committee made up only of councillors who agree with his point of view, but other councillors, such as Jack Hyundai, now beginning to speak out, and they say they intend to continue to do this, voicing concerns. And his point here is that with a lack of supervision, which is, seems to be evident in the mayor's plan, that does cost taxpayers extra money. He says experience shows that. We caught up to him and Solicitor General Mike Farmworth who continues to voice negative comments about the mayor's plan to go it alone. I spent uh, 25 years in the RCMP, uh, certainly a significant amount of that time as a supervisor uh, in Surrey. And I can tell you, certainly, when it comes to frontline resources, there needs to be ongoing supervision. And when you look at a model where there's such a gap in the supervision from the ranks, um, that's very concerning for me.
Two key concerns uh, that have been identified are the human resource issue in terms of so where are we going to get either the city of Surrey or what additional uh, human resources police officers are going to be required, how they're going to be trained and where they're going to come from. Uh, a second uh, uh, key uh, issue is the issue of uh, information sharing, um, and that is information technology. So you're talking about, you know, the computer systems, what are you going to do, how do you transfer, um, are there agreements that need to be put in place with the RCMP uh, if you're moving to a, a municipal detachment. Now, Solicitor General Mike Farnworth, of course, has to sign off on this. And I have to tell you, Chris, I've had a lot of conversations with Mike Farnworth on this. And it's all about the negatives and the, and the downside of going it alone with its own municipal police force. In any event, Farnworth says he's in no hurry to make a decision on this. So Doug McCallum may want uh, an early decision, but I don't think he's going to get one from this NDP government. It sounds like there's a lot of ground to cover first. Yep. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. Victoria police descended upon a neighborhood with guns drawn this afternoon. Bay Street was shut down between Forbes and Victor Streets as police responded to multiple calls of shots fired. Officers telling people living in the area to stay inside out of an abundance of caution. Witnesses say the shooting occurred in a residence and one person was taken to hospital. A senior Vancouver police officer has been suspended for improperly accessing and disclosing sensitive information. The officer has been suspended for 15 days for accessing sensitive young offender information for a personal purpose and disclosing it to an unauthorized person. The Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner says the officer's name is being withheld because it could be used to identify the young person in question. The adjudicator released his decision uh, indicating that the uh, officer committed serious misconduct uh, which warranted a, a three five-day suspensions uh, without pay to be served concurrently. The officer's actions were deliberate and he knew that uh, this was against policy to be accessing this information. The driver of a pickup truck was killed in a horrific crash last night in Surrey. The Dodge pickup truck rolled multiple times before crashing into a tree, crushing the cab. It happened around 11 o'clock at 104th Avenue near 156th Street. The driver died at the scene, which was secured for nearly nine hours as crews cut the tree and worked to flip the truck back onto its wheels. Before we heard the tires trying to stop, and then they roll over and it crashed to the tree behind. We try with other um, um, uh, neighbors trying to help. We always want to look out for any alcohol or drug impairment, although there's no indication at this time that that's what has caused this collision. There is some indication that speed was a factor. Surrey RCMP are now appealing to the public for surveillance or dash cam footage. Wildfire crews are working around the clock to contain the Eagle Bluff fire burning north of Oliver. Thankfully, there was little growth overnight, but we're getting a better idea of just how big this fire is. Global's Shelby Tom has more on the challenges crews are facing and the impact on those in the area. Shelby. Chris, the Eagle Bluff wildfire burning behind me is a difficult fight for crews given the steep rocky terrain and climbing temperatures with highs of 38 degrees today. Evacuation alerts remain in effect, but residents and tourists in this area are taking it in stride. 
Robert Pound and his family aren't ready to abandon their Okanagan vacation just yet. There you go. Despite the smoke and the roar of helicopters fighting the Eagle Bluff wildfire over the ridge, the Calgary family are happy campers for now. In the first 24 hours, we were hesitant which what was going to happen, the direction things are going to go, but. No, we're sticking it out. But not everyone wants to stare down the rising smoke. The Gallagher Lake Resort has faced a dozen cancellations. We've had to give refunds because people are, you can't say, well, come on down and enjoy evacuation alert. You might have to leave at any hour. Crews are doubling down on fire suppression efforts, but weather conditions have become the bigger battle. We're into a severe drought conditions in this part of the province. Firefighters taking precautions to avoid heat exhaustion and the blistering heat. With temperatures like this, we have to really make sure we pace our crews accordingly, make sure they stay hydrated. The wildfire service says crews are making progress, building containment lines, and the fire is moving away from communities. Still, 206 properties remain under evacuation alert. An evacuation alert is really important for residents and for visitors, especially people who are camping in the area, to be mindful of the weather and mindful of this fire. As for visitors like the pounds. Still trying to enjoy despite, you know, uh, Mother Nature. Their strategy is to hope crews get the upper hand and soon. The fire is also burning close to an electrical substation. Fortis BC says it de-energized three transmission lines in the area before building a fire guard around them and powering them back up. Fortis says it is closely monitoring the situation. Chris. All right, Shelby, Tom and Oliver. Thanks, Shelby. But first, a day at the Greater Vancouver Zoo took a frightening turn when a toddler was bitten by a bear. The two-year-old girl suffered extensive injuries when somehow she came into contact with the bear in an, uh, in an area off-limits to visitors. Tanya Beja has more on how it happened. Conservation officers patrol the Greater Vancouver Zoo looking for answers after a black bear bit a young visitor. Oh my goodness, I can't imagine what the family's going through right now. The area around the bear enclosure now closed to the public after one of the three animals inside attacked a two-year-old girl. The child was airlifted to hospital in serious condition Monday evening. So we do have um, safety barriers throughout the entire facility and it seems that she did manage to cross one of our safety barriers and get into an area that is for staff access. Zoo staff are still investigating how the girl was able to get so close. Frequent visitors say the boundaries are clear. There's two fences. There's the fence that you're supposed to be behind and then there's the fence that the animal's behind. So if you're, you know, in between that area you're not supposed to be, that could be you know, very dangerous. Smaller children, I guess, just need to be closely watched and never take your eye off them. You're obviously around wild animals and anything can happen. The bear joined the zoo as a cub in 2017 and conservation officers say it will not be euthanized. Zoo staff say they will be investigating and reviewing all safety measures. We recognize that uh, you know, there is always room for improvement and we will do everything we can to make sure that our facility is as safe as possible. The bear viewing areas will remain off limits while the investigation continues. Tanya Beja, Global News thing you need to worry about while you're on vacation. That's right. All the information surrounding your trip, the flights, the hotels, the car rentals, it's all a gold mine for scammers looking to steal your identity. 
Andrew is here to explain how it works. And mm -hmm. identity theft can have consequences, unfortunately, for mm -hmm. years to come. Thank you, Chris. According to a recent IBM X Force security study, the travel and transportation industry is a major target for hackers looking to steal information from our passports payments, even a travel itinerary, and that could lead to identity theft, phishing attacks, and the theft of loyalty rewards. So to protect yourself while traveling, the report offers a number of consumer tips. If you can, avoid using public Wi-Fi when you travel, like at airports, hotels, and shopping centers, which can make you vulnerable to cyber criminals who are out to steal your personal information on your device. Instead, security experts suggest using a VPN, a virtual private network, to give you a secure portal. Stay away from public charging stations. Cyber criminals can modify those connections to download personal data from your phone and install malware without your knowledge. Shed your shred rather your tickets. That includes boarding passes, luggage tags and paper tickets. Don't throw them out in a hotel room. Savvy criminals can gather a lot of information from those items. Also be careful where you withdraw cash on your trips. Go to legitimate banks. Avoid using ATMs at bars, restaurants, or convenience stores. Your information is sought after by a, a large number of groups, and most of it are connected, or most of whom are connected to large organized entities who are very sophisticated. So whether you're at home or you're traveling, whether it's for leisure or for business, you just need to think a little bit about your personal security. And that now means how you engage the world through your digital devices. Also, it's a good idea to turn off location tracking on your device and on your apps. Revealing information about your travel patterns can put your security at risk. It's also recommended you remove sensitive information from any device you bring on your trip, including laptops, tablets, and smartphones, and ensure your devices have the latest antivirus software. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. So many things to remember. All right, thanks, Anne. Good. All right. From people trying to rip you off to a guy trying to do some good. A former Syrian refugee is trying to pay it forward in a big way. Hassan Al-Kantar spent seven months stranded in a Kuala Lumpur airport. A Canadian charity helped him relocate to B.C. And now he's hoping to help up to 250 asylum seekers stuck in a dire situation. <laughs> At first glance, you wouldn't know Hassan Alcantar has been here eight months. He loves his job at this Kitsilano Cafe, where he blends in much better here than in his last home. I will be the man from the airport no matter what. This is only the area I have. Unshaven and unsettled, Alcantar called the Kuala Lumpur International Airport home for seven months. His permit to work in the United Arab Emirates expired in 2011, and when war broke out back home in Syria, returning was not an option. Eventually, Canadian volunteers and sponsors helped him resettle in B.C., and now he's eager to return the favor. 850 souls, including 24 women, are suffering since six years without a proper trial. They are desperate. They are asylum seekers on Manus Island near Papua New Guinea and Nauru Island in the South Pacific, forced there, says the UN, by the Australian government. Bring them here! Now Alcantar is working with the same charity that helped him escape and immigration settlement agency Mosaic to privately sponsor up to 250 refugees, bringing them here to Canada.
We are hoping to raise uh, 3.3 million and uh, hopefully more to be able to resettle the, the refugees. People are digging their own wells to have some fresh water. While there is no guarantee the applications will be approved, Alcantar is nothing but hopeful. There is a hero inside each one of us. We just need to find it. Nadia Sir, Global News. Ohio's governor is responding to calls for greater gun control in the wake of the tragic mass shooting in Dayton. Nine people were killed in that attack, and as Global's Jeff Semple reports, for people in the city, grief is quickly turning to anger. His life was taken away at a young age. My only son. Thomas McNichols' 25-year-old son was outside a popular bar early Sunday morning when a man armed with an assault rifle started shooting. At this vigil on Sunday night, in the wake of the shooting, the governor of Ohio tried to address the crowds, but he was shouted down. People calling on him to do something about America's gun violence. Well, today, the governor responded. And they were absolutely right. We must do something. The Republican introduced more than a dozen proposals targeting gun violence and mental health, including background checks on almost all firearm sales in the state. Though he conceded these measures may not have saved the victims of this latest shooting from the gunman. 24-year-old Connor Betts, who lived with his family in this nearby suburb, including his younger sister Megan, who was also murdered in the massacre. Betts had no criminal record besides a couple of traffic offenses, but some of his old friends and girlfriends describe a young man who was very angry and obsessed with guns. He's always loved violence and he's always loved guns. Hannah Shows went to high school with Betts. She says he once got into trouble for writing a hit list of girls at school. Her name was on it. He was somebody who made me uh, feel afraid when I knew him as a teenager. He did threaten me. But despite those concerns, Betts was still able to purchase an assault rifle and enough firepower for up to 250 rounds. The U.S. president, meanwhile, is blaming this violence not on gun control, but on mental health issues. Donald Trump expected to visit this city tomorrow. President Donald Trump is also scheduled to visit El Paso, where 22 people were killed at a Walmart shooting over the weekend. But as Jackson Prosco reports, many people there want Trump to stay away. The growing memorial at the scene of Saturday's shooting has become a place where people in this community have come together to seek comfort, but also to vent their anger and frustration both at the shooting and at the looming visit of President Trump. Tomorrow, Trump will come here to El Paso, but some community leaders have urged him to rethink that, given that the alleged gunman in Saturday's massacre seems to have been motivated by anti-immigrant rhetoric. The local representative in the Texas State House told me that Trump is simply not welcome. He accuses the president of stoking racial division and resentment. I don't think it's the time right now. We're a community that's healing. Uh, we're a community that uh, feels that is, is, is hateful rhetoric about immigrants in the past is, uh, is, is hurt, hurtful, it's harmful. Uh, I think it certainly makes him complicit in, in violence like we saw that came to our city. On the investigation into the shooting, federal prosecutors say this appears to have been a hate crime. They're calling it an act of domestic terrorism. We've learned that the alleged gunman apparently turned himself in to officers on the scene, surrendering after that rampage. Meanwhile, several of the injured remain in hospital, some in critical condition. Jackson Prosco, Global News, El Paso.
In Health Matters tonight, a warning about the dangers of working outside in this hot weather. WorkSafe BC is reminding employers and outdoor workers to be aware of the risks of heat stress, which can lead to heat exhaustion and heat stroke if not addressed early. Symptoms of heat exhaustion include excessive sweating, dizziness, fainting and muscle cramps. To avoid it, drink a glass of water every 20 minutes, wear light, loose, breathable clothes and take breaks in a cool spot. Well, the widow of a Langley man who died days after saving a drowning woman is speaking out, hoping to prevent another tragic death. Shane Nugent developed symptoms after the rescue, but didn't seek medical attention. Catherine Urquhart explains why experts say it's essential to get checked out after incidents like this. 43-year-old Sean Nugent is being hailed a hero after saving a woman from drowning. He died two days later. Now his death is being investigated as a possible case of secondary drowning. This is a situation where uh, a day or two later, uh, the buildup of fluid in the lungs can have the same effect as a sudden drowning. The rescue happened at Hayward Lake near Mission on July 27th. Nugent saw a woman struggling in the water and jumped in to save her after he felt horrible. Tired, um, he said his arms hurt, um, but he didn't complain much other than that. Uh, we went about the rest of our day. We had a nice day with our family. We went home. Next day we got up, we did yard work like any other day. Um, and then uh, he dropped me off at work on Monday and that was the last we saw. The Langley contractor leaves behind his wife and three children. He was, you know, an outstanding father. And, you know, and he loved his wife, he loved his kids. He was a big part of the community. Beachgoers are being encouraged to know the signs of secondary drowning. Difficulty breathing, uh, shortness of breath and, and chest discomfort and irritability too, just not feeling well. And, and if those symptoms are present after a submersion in water, uh, good idea to get them to the doctor or to the emergency ward right away. It could be several months before Sean Nugent's family knows definitively if his death was a secondary drowning. This much-loved man gone, but forever a hero. He put us first, no matter what. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. It is a race against the clock to save the more than 2 million Fraser River salmon stuck behind a rock slide on the Fraser River. The landslide near Big Bar cut them off from their spawning areas. And if they don't make it past, it'll have wide-ranging impacts on wildlife and those who rely on the fish for their livelihoods. Ted Trenecki reports. They're circling at the mouth of the Fraser, getting ready to head upstream. Up to two and a half million. A relatively small run, unless they have nowhere to go, in which case this is a massive problem. The, uh, the sockeye runs will start to arrive within a couple of weeks, um, so probably by mid-August, and we'll be arriving over the subsequent few weeks from that. Two weeks, when they could have had half a year to find a solution. Today it was confirmed that this slide occurred at Big Bar way back in November, but no one noticed, not even the ministry, the guardians of the resource. We don't necessarily go all the way up and down the Fraser every inch of it every, uh, every six months. Uh, it, it was found in accordance with when we would actually expect to find something like that. Only during the past few days have been using airbags to send rocks hurtling below in the hopes of building a natural fish ladder. 
All the blasting before that was simply to make the site safe for the workers who would be needed below. Adding to the race against time is a river that continues to rise until next week. The water flow is absolutely um, beyond comprehension. It's so swift um, that I can't believe that any fish would get through there. Grand Chief John calls the Stuart Sockeye Salmon Run iconic, and as such, the slide needs to be declared a state of emergency. How do you declare a state of emergency to ensure that all possible efforts are made? This is something I, I think that needs to be considered in determining the future of uh, the salmon species. There is a fish wheel now in place as they scoop up more salmon, and two helicopters continue to airlift salmon upstream. But so far, the total number of fish airlifted over about a two-week period is 5,000. In a couple of weeks, there'll be up to 6,000 salmon arriving every day. Tetranaki Global News. The celebration of light sure drew some huge crowds this year. Which country beat out the other teams for top prize? That's coming up right after the forecast. Well, the summer heat is on these days too. Let's check in with Christy to see if it's going to break. Well, we have a record, uh, two records across the province. So there is a break, but it's not for a little while for the interior region. So it was the southern interior West Kootenay regions that hit uh, incredible temperatures, 38.3 degrees in the Trail Warfield area. That's the name of the station there. Castlegar, 36.4 degrees in Trail, was a hot spot across Canada today at that 38.3 degrees. So exceptional heat. Uh, we do have warnings still in place for the north and central coast inland regions, as well as the Fraser Canyon, but just issue this afternoon is uh, a special weather statement. It's not a warning, but in my opinion, it's very similar. There's one difference. Here's the breakdown. So it's going to be exceptionally hot in the West Kootenay and the interior regions uh, for the next few days. A heat warning means that you'll have temperatures at 35 plus, so more than 35 degrees, but overnight lows will stay above 18. And that's not going to be the case. So at night, there will be some relief in that we're we'll see overnight lows less than 15 degrees. But during the day Yes, we're still at that 35-plus uh, degree mark. So during the day, exceptional. And we're going to see this at least for two more days. This is using Kelowna as an example. Friday, some relief, but over the weekend, you'll see a big change. So about three more days of this real heat. And a reminder for you, at that 35-degree mark, in 10 minutes, a car can rise to 46 degrees. So never leave kids or pets inside a car unattended. Here's your forecast. So that northeastern sections, showers and cooler conditions. But across the rest of the province, it's going to be hot and dry once again. So mid to upper 30s across the southern interior, West Kootenay region. Our region, a titch cooler. So highs of about 28 degrees tomorrow. And we'll slowly drop our temperature as we head towards the weekend also still plenty of sunshine to enjoy and I have three weather windows today because I couldn't pick they're all sunset shots this one from Lauren Smith this is Sheridan Lake Chilliwack sunset from Mark Smith and one last one for you Tawasson sunset all from last night oh, all of them beautiful mm -hmm. I know why you couldn't pick thank you Christy <laughs> well it's one of the great events of the summer and now the judges have spoken Team Canada came out on top, winning the Honda Celebration of Light. Their pyro performance last Wednesday, clinching first place with a standout synchronized spectacle and that jaw-dropping finale that 
uh, went viral on social media. They beat out rookie Team India and Team Croatia. Although Croatia took home the People's Choice Award, more than one million spectators packed the shoreline along English Bay, Second Beach and Vanier Park all over the place uh, to take in the fireworks over the three nights. piece of musical history has been reborn and it's on display in Richmond. This rare Sphinx grand piano is a replica of one that was crafted 130 years ago in Germany. And it was built using a single image of the original C. Beckstein creation and it took four years to finish it. If you want to tickle these ivories though it's going to cost you. It's offered for sale at 1.4 million dollars. We have probably the most expensive piano to ever come to Canada, the most costly piano ever, uh, ever produced that's come here. This is the first place it's ever come to in North America, and we're, de we're delighted to welcome people to come here and have a look at it. Manuel plays beautifully, doesn't he? And he wears nice ties, too. I see him at events, and he's always <laughs> oh, he's, talking about ties. He's a well-dressed man. <laughs> sure is. All right. All right. Caps. Let's get to the white caps. Thanks, Sophie. Evening, everybody. It's addition by subtraction for your Vancouver white caps. Today, they shipped off Felipe Martins to D.C. United. This after D.C. United learned that Wayne Rooney is heading home to join Derby County as a player assistant coach. The caps also acquiring on loan Honduran winger, winger Michael Chironis from CD Olympia. Chironis, 33 goals and 115 appearances for his hometown side. Although he's small, he's stocky. He's a stocky player, explosive, uh, could play on the right or the left. I'd like to have this expression, a playboy player or a Prada player. You can, you need to have hardworking guys that when they lose the ball, they react. When, when, uh, when the team is on a defensive side, they're very involved. When we win the ball, they're ready to get involved uh, for the team. That's the type of club that we need to build there. Hey, I'm thinking he's a GWG Wrangler kind of guy, Chris. <laughs> huh? Going by that statement. Rogers Cup from Montreal. Canadian matchup. Felix Oje Aliassime taking on Vashik Pospisil. These guys are good buddies. They played in doubles yesterday. Oje Aliassime taking the opening set. 18-year-old playing on a home court, center court in Montreal for the very first time. Pospisil took the second. Third set also goes to a tie break. Oje Aliassime blistering backhand winner down the line. Great match. Went two hours, 33 minutes. Oje Aliassime winning at 6-2, 6-7, 7-6. He'll meet Milos Ronish tomorrow in round two. Ashley Barty, by the way, number one on the women's side of the draw, knocked out. And Bianca Andrescu just defeating Eugenie Bouchard. Delta's James Pacton has never forgotten where he's from. Nicknamed the Big Maple for his Canadian roots, the BC boys start for the Seattle Mariners and became the first Mariners pitcher last year to throw a no-hitter on the road when he no-hit the Blue Jays. Pitching close to home, about as perfect as it gets until now. Paxton traded to the Yankees in the offseason where he's now playing his trade. Paxton on the mound. Paxton. Pitching in the Big Apple comes with big expectations, and the Big Maple has been dealing with it firsthand since the moment he was traded from Seattle. It's a different, different atmosphere for sure. You know, just the, uh, the expectation of winning. You know, we're expected to win the division and uh, ultimately win the World Series, and that's what we're trying to do. Now, playing here at Yankee Stadium for this iconic franchise was something Paxton foreshadowed when he was young. Now the story goes, when he was just a couple of years old, he was telling his family when he grows up, he wants to pitch for the New York Yankees. Swing and a miss. 
I don't remember this. Obviously, I must have been very young. And my grandma was telling me that uh, she had asked me at one point, like, who do you want to play for when you grow up? And I told her the New York Yankees. Um, and I didn't know this, but she, she told me this after I had gotten traded and shared it with me. And I just thought how crazy it was that as a little kid, I had dreamed about playing for the Yankees and, or said that I wanted to be a Yankee. And, and here I am. While New York is home for now, Paxton never forgets where he comes from, and his tattoo makes sure of that. The big maple leaf with a depiction of Boyer Island, a place where his grandfather on his father's side owned a cabin. I spent a lot of time there as a kid. Kind of reminds me of home and family. So with his dad's side of the family covered, it's only fitting his next tattoo will pay homage to his mother. On the other side, my mom's uh, parents, they have a cabin on Saturna Island and around their cabin are all these arbutus trees. So I kind of wanted to get an arbutus tree, kind of like going up, like kind of connecting to the bottom right here and kind of going up my shoulder. Speaking of family, Paxton doesn't get to see them as often, just a couple of weeks during the off season. So to help ease the void, we were able to help deliver a small gift from mom. She ran out and got you this, with a little bit of a message on the end there. Uh, only fitting its maple. Maple caramels. Yeah. Beautiful. That's for mom, so. Love it. Yeah. Thanks, mom. <laughs> and being the good Canadian kid he is, Paxton made sure he showed some love back, even though it's from 5,000 kilometers away. <laughs> there you go. Thanks for the chocolates, mom. Love you, James. Chanel Pertap, Global Sports. Uh, that was sweet. Day two of the Gretzky Holinka Cup from Czech Republic. Summer hockey big over there, as you can tell. Yeah, it's wow. Michael Dick, Team everybody? Canada. No kidding. Yesterday they whitewashed Finland. 6-0. The bleaching continued today against the Swiss. How about Cole Perfetti? Look at the goal. All the right moves. He's got four goals and six point in six points in two games. Justin Sordiff, little steal in front. Vancouver Giants forward scoring. But the start of the game was Swiss goalie, 16-year-old Noah Pantano. Watch this save. It's the final shot of the game. Canada outshot the Swiss 48 to 8. 8 nothing was the final. But what a save. Canada is now 2-0. They'll wrap up preliminary round play tomorrow against the Czechs. That's your sports. Coming up on ET Canada, more details on the huge stars coming to Calgary to host this year's CCMA Awards. And is Hannah B from The Bachelorette in a huge love triangle? That is all coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie. Not a huge love triangle, Cheryl. <laughs> On The Bachelorette? I'm dying to know. <laughs> All right, a Vancouver, uh, a Vancouver Island woman's heavy metal moment is going viral. She was out on a hike with her dog when a cougar began stalking them. Now, when yelling didn't scare off the big cat, she blasted Metallica from her phone. A move that not only worked, but got the attention of people around the world, including the band. <laughs> Here's Kylie Stanton. It's a drummy kind of... Hit play and hope for the best. Just right away, it, it sends a message. That was Dee Gallant's strategy a couple of weeks ago while out on a walk in the woods where she happened to come across this. There's a cougar. I just suddenly felt like something was watching me. Gallant did everything right, pulling her dog Murphy in close and waving her hands in the air, trying to appear large and loud. Get out of here. But he just stayed and he just stared at me for the longest time and... I decided I needed to do something a little more intimidating. A lifelong Metallica fan, Gallant found her iTunes and went to her favorites, 
knowing just the song. Don't tread on me. <laughs> and I thought, that's the message I got to send this kitty. A few notes in, da, 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 da. and he quickly backed off. He literally turned and took off in the bush and was gone. But since posting about the experience on social media, she's been far from being left alone. Her story now getting international attention. I've had probably, oh gosh, over 100 radio stations and news stations contact me in the last week. It's been insane. In Canada over the weekend. It's even making the rounds on the late night talk shows. This woman came face to face with a cougar and then played Metallica on her phone to chase it away. The news eventually making its way to the band at the center of it all. I got a phone call and this deep, deep voice said, Hi, Denise, this is James Hetfield of Metallica. (laughs) An experience Gallant can only describe as a dream come true. Just over the moon. While it may have been her quick thinking, or perhaps even Murphy, (laughs) Gallant likes to think it was the song that saved her life. That's the stuff. (laughs) Now. More meaningful than ever. Sing. Callie Stanton, Global News, Shemitas. <laughs> yes. Her dog knows. Love it. Dog's loving it. Yeah. Uh, very cool. And uh, glad she made it out safe. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, before we go, last word on weather? Sure. So we will gradually cool in the coming days. Still tomorrow, another hot one. Just a titch cooler than what we saw today. By the weekend, though, you'll feel a reprieve actually by Friday. Um, we have a slight chance of showers in the forecast for Sunday, and you'll note a little bit more cloud cover. But we also have that in the forecast for Saturday. As we get closer, it seems to be backing up and backing up. <laughs> so there's uncertainty. Stay push, tuned. Push, push it, it down. Up. Yeah. Day. That's right. Okay, thanks, Christy. Thanks for watching. Have a good night. <laughs>